Today, we are talking about Thanksgiving, not just the holiday, but the actual act of, of being thankful, the Thanksgiving that I have in my heart for um, so many people, so many moments, so many instances, and, and I am going to share all of that gratitude that I have that has swelled up in my heart, and, and, it, and it, it, it covers uh, from my youth to, to right now, the, the present day. It is an, it is an hour an hour of, of thanksgiving and of gratitude, and I am, am so excited to, to share this thankfulness with you. And at the end of today's show, we're going to reflect on a good friend of mine uh, who has recently passed, Jason David Frank. You knew him as Tommy, the Green Ranger, the White Ranger. He has uh, passed away, and and I am going to just share with you some great remembrances of my friend Jason, uh, what he meant to me, what he meant to you, and we're going to lift him up and uh, just close this hour of Thanksgiving with a great remembrance of a truly memorable and amazing talent, all on today's brand new Robservations. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Robservations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld, and today... We are going to give thanks. We are going to have a very special, thankful episode, a Thanksgiving episode fitting for this season of Observations. We are 200 and plus episodes into this crazy experiment that is uh, this podcast. And, and I just want to tell you right off the bat, I could not be more thankful that you are all on this ride with me that you are experiencing this alongside me, that, that when, when I see you at a store or at a convention or online in a, in, in a chat room and a live stream, that you guys, um, that, that, that you, the audience, are informing me how much you've enjoyed it. And I always ask you, I follow up and say, well, why? And you're able to fill in those gaps for me. But Thanksgiving in and of itself has become my favorite holiday as an adult. It, it occurred over the last decade. and you know, everybody loves Christmas. Come on. You can't beat the joy of receiving gifts, but more so giving gifts. And, and I have loved being a gift giver my whole life. And then of course you add three kids to your existence. And and my wife and I, we just, we love giving gifts and we love the thrill of giving gifts. And we know that's not the entire uh, reason for Christmas, but you, you can't escape the fact that that's the big component, hard to look away from the gift giving, and uh, it can be so fun watching each kid, even as my kids are now adults, uh, open and get excited. It's so satisfying. But what pivoted me all the way to Thanksgiving was as I got older and as my kids would go off to their different schoolings, whether it was junior high or high school or finishing up grade school, you know, and we'd get together with the nieces and the nephews and the aunts and uncles. When we'd sit around that Thanksgiving table, which, you know, again, a, a, a holiday that's really focused on food. And, and but, but what I've come to learn, because not every year is the same in regards to the food. Some, some, some years the dressing is better. Some year the turkey is better. Some years the, you know, the carrots are better. It, it, it all fluctuates. But what, what stays the same is sharing with the people because there is no component of gifts. It's all about visiting and catching up and uh, sharing life, especially with, with loved ones. And 
the entire week of Thanksgiving has really uh, become one of just really looking back and thinking how truly thankful and blessed that I am. And I look forward to when we get together as as a family, as our with our extended family, we all go around the table and we are required to say something, uh, give thanks for something, someone, some, you know, what, what are we the most thankful for? And that is become that has become the most heartening uh, aspect of this entire holiday season. Again, gifts are great, but the visitation, the people, the people who we invest our lives in, who we help uh, grow their lives, who who grow our lives in return, that's my my absolute favorite component. So I wanted to do a podcast that uh, you know my intent is that this is fairly timeless in that. I'm going to go back to my childhood. I'm going to share with you uh, between my my experiences as a kid, as a fan, all the way through my experiences as a professional and as a husband and as a uh, a father and as a friend, the things and the people, lots of people. There's going to be lots of people that I tell you that I am thankful for. This is absent cynicism. You're, you're not going to get any cynicism in here. Uh, what I have prided myself on is being sincere and being able to tell people that you love them, that you thank, you're thankful for them, that you appreciate them. And I can't think of a better uh, session for me to speak into this microphone that, that kicked this all off. And of course, I'll get to thanking my son who, who actually went out and said, Dad, here's the Blue Yeti. Now you can start your podcast. Um, you know, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. And, and I, I, just, I, I feel like this, this is the time to share. This is the season. If you dial this up, it'll be the uh, Tuesday before Thanksgiving, before you're all gathering around. And I'm sure all of you have wonderful traditions that you share with your own family. And maybe this year is harder than than others. Maybe maybe you're having a breakthrough year. Maybe maybe this year is a the best year you you've had. I know it's 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 everywhere and in between. Look, I'm not going to have uh, my mom across from me for the first time, so I understand loss. I understand loss, and I've warned my family. Hey, Dad, maybe a little mushy this year because you can't have uh, a holiday without your mom until you have a holiday without your mom. So, you know, I get it. I get that the Thanksgiving table isn't always rainbows and unicorns and maybe the people that you gather with you don't much care for, but I am going to share with you today all the things that I have come to be so thankful for. And I hope you'll walk along this with me. There will be stories to tell among all that I am going to share with you. And, uh, so again, the, th- the, the the focus today is on Thanksgiving and thankfulness and not, come on, I'm not here to give political commentary on this holiday. I know that we're going to acknowledge Thanksgiving as we, as, as we have uh, the 55 years that I have been on this earth and my, my wife, the many years she has been on this earth and, uh, and my kids and my family. And so I'm just bringing you a little bit of Rob's observations Thanksgiving today. Uh, as I said, you know, I, and if you and if you followed this show, you know I've I encountered comic books at a very young age, and I and uh, I'm very thankful, as you all know, to Fred the Barber, who not only cut my hair and my dad's hair when we were just you know much younger, and I was seven years old, but he had a kick-ass stack of comic books, and I don't encounter Marvel comic books and Prince Namor and the Thing and the Human Torch and just Fantastic Four one forty seven which just lit me up and inspired me in a way I can't possibly, you know, fully communicate to you in the way that it, it really truly inspired me. 
But Fred the Fred the Barber was a a straight up G, and he said, "I'll I'll trade you comics. I need comics. I can't just give it away. I, I got to get something in return. I don't have time to go buy any new ones." And he, he he said it all with a grin, with a smile, and it was uh, it was a great lesson. And I've told you guys, I went home and I wanted to make sure that you know I wanted to make sure above all else, uh, I got I got a I got that Fantastic Four one forty seven. And so what I did, you know, I I, I uh, you know, I stacked the deck and gave him two comic books, Richie Rich and Casper the Friendly Ghost, because those are the comic books that I was allowed to interact with at the time. And my dad, I think, you know, I know he flipped through the comic. He gave it the thumbs up because he and my mom, um, coming from uh, Baptist ministry, my dad was a, a was a Baptist minister. I, I, they were more prone to be extra protective of me. And uh, <laughs> they're the parents who were very perplexed by Gene Simmons and Kiss and Paul Stanley because, wait, they're... They're kings in Satan's service, I was told. <laughs> so, uh, and I was like, okay, w- w- whatever, but I'm still going to jump in my sister's car and listen to that music. And, and I'm going to still uh, look at this album cover all day long and, and try and draw them. And yes, I'm aware that one of them is called The Demon. So, uh, you know, of course he inspected Fantasy 4147 and it went off without a hitch. And thank you to Fred the Barber. Thank you, Fred the Barber. You are amazing and and set me on a path those spinner racks and those shelves no matter where i went it's not just my uh famous intersection of broadway and magnolia that still exists there in in anaheim but it's all the different places we we didn't just do life on that intersection we would drive to fullerton and the surrounding you know santa Ana, and we would go to all the surrounding cities and and, and as i've told you guys on our road trips as a family through arizona to, to new mexico the one great constant the equalizer that we can always count on as kids is that there were comic books there there were comic books sold on spinner racks sold on shelves and they were fairly cheap so i could mow a lawn i could do chores and i could afford them so i am just so thankful in the in the age that i grew up which found comic books really among the most populated places people went to they were in bookstores in the mall in 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 outlets like walden books and crown books and then most importantly, there were the gas stations, you know, nowadays that, that, that retail gas station, man, I was in the other one. I, I went to a, a buddy's birthday party a couple of weekends back and I, I wanted to grab uh, some candy before I went there. And I literally walked into the smallest, uh, you know, gas station uh, retail outlet, like where you pay to get the gas inside. I mean, it was like stat, everything was stacked to the, to, to the, to the ceiling. But like there was basically a four by four space to operate with that had everything that you would normally find in all the other places. It definitely had the refrigerator with the sodas, but the candy, the mints, little toys, little, I mean, medicine, um, some, 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 you know, some, some useful tools, man, it was, it was tight. It was, it was super tight. But back then among, among even the smallest of the gas stations, there was spinner rack and you could buy comic books. And you could check out the latest adventures of Superman and Batman and Fantastic Four. So that age that I grew up in, the accessibility, pulling into the drugstore in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and finding annuals, Marvel giant-sized comics that feature the Defenders and the Avengers and Thor and Hulk, and being able to take those to my hotel room with my parents that night and just kind of disappear and read them out on the balcony and uh, and just, just completely check out. I couldn't tell you what, what my parents were doing, maybe for better or for worse, uh, because I was just staring at my comics. I was just staring at my comics. And I just, I'm so thankful for the age that I grew up with and the accessibility that comic books had. It really, 
they were a, a great distraction for me, and I've, I've mentioned it several several times. Also, during that time, both Marvel and DC had engaged in really giving you reprints of their recent past, stuff that had happened a decade ago or maybe 12 years ago that was important. They were constantly putting out uh, reprint titles. I've covered it several times here. Marvel, ti- Marvel Tales. Marvel Tales was reprinting the John Romita Sr. and Gil Kane Spider-Man comics of six and seven years prior. As I am picking up the Ross Andrew, Keith Pollard Spider-Man as it was marching towards, you know, issue issue 200. Fantastic Four had a reprint, a dedicated reprint, reprint monthly title called Marvel's Greatest Comics. And in that, I would be able to see the John Buscema uh, adventures of the Fantastic Four in 1969 and 1970 uh, when I was grabbing these comics in 76, 77. So on and so forth. Uh, Marvel Triple Action actually was was uh, giving me like 1964 Jack Kirby Avengers Tales, Don Heck uh, Avengers Tales, and I'm like, wow! In this in this incarnation of the Avengers, the Avengers don't have Thor and they don't have Iron Man anymore. It's Cap, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye. That's it. They were a quartet, and they were for a very long time. And I was interacting with those adventures at the same time that I was buying the latest, you know. Korvac saga uh, with with a cosmic being. I've done a dedicated episode on Korvac. I was like one of the greatest Avengers villains of all times and definitely deserves a a, a big screen treatment. It took all the Guardians of the Galaxy and all of uh, the Avengers and some of their friends to even confront him and attempt to take take him down. And uh, at that same time, I'm getting Marvel triple action, which is giving me like the old the older tales, the 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 form, the more formative years of the Avengers, and if they weren't doing it in those titles, they were doing it in these giant sized Treasury editions, which I'm telling you about. And really, literally after the show, I am in a uh, my annual ritual around this time, right before Thanksgiving. I go and I get my DC holiday comics, my DC holiday packs, and I put them out. They're 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 Treasury size. They're giant, you know, nine by twelve comic books, or or maybe even bigger. Maybe they're eleven by 14 but there are these big oversights i don't know why we don't do those uh as publishers anymore they stand out i mean again wherever you put them on the shelf because they don't they, they couldn't fit on a spinner rack but they were on the magazine shelf and today they'd be you know alongside whatever i know the magazine and the publishing shelves especially in the grocery stores is shrinking that's where i would encounter these the most at all the different grocery stores i would go and i would literally go to the grocery store with my mom not to get extra twinkies but to make sure I would encounter whatever special comics they had there, the magazines or the treasury editions. And they all did Christmas versions, Marvel, you know, Marvel holiday heroes, Marvel holiday heroes, 1977, Marvel Christmas with the, with the, with the heroes, you know, 1978. I put them all out. DC did a bunch of them too. It's Superman carrying uh, Santa Claus and his sleigh above him flying, you know, through the sky and, and Wonder Woman's in the sleigh, and and Flash, and Batman, and Robin, along with Santa Claus. I mean, they they, they always had great covers. And you know, we're actually going to do a dedicated podcast devoted to all of those holiday editions. So 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 look for that in the in the very very near future. But I, I just I love that age where it, that there was so much more accessibility. You know, with comic books to the public. Again, what would that look like today? That would look like Walmart, not in shrink-wrapped editions, you know, under some shelf that's hard to find. I mean, right front and center in in, in an area where publications, books, and magazines are. Uh, Target, same. 
you know, the big box stores would prominently feature comic books at a either a point of purchase or a de- designated publishing area because that's how I that's how I you know encountered them. So again, very thankful for that age that I grew up in. I am also to 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 kind of dovetail with that. I am so thankful in the age that I grew up with. I was able to experience a generation of visionaries that would really inspire me, my peers, and 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 so many after. And that is names you've heard all the time on these uh, this podcast, which is Frank Miller, which is Walt Simonson, which is John Byrne, George Perez, Jim Starlin, Howard Chaikin, just seminal visionaries that picked up the mantle where uh jack kirby had had left off and where john buscema and uh and gil kane and some of these you know silver age uh influences they were influenced by them and then they took all those uh tools and and started started especially in, in somebody like a frank miller's case started uh mixing it with you know hong kong cinema grindhouse films gangster movies and gave us a whole new vision, oh, absolutely new vision. And uh, Jack Kirby was storming back to Marvel when I was a kid, doing Captain America, Black Panther, Machine Man, Devil Dinosaur, the the, the Eternals. So see, he, he there was no way he was slowing down. And he's right there alongside Frank Miller, who gave us Daredevil and 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 and, and the seminal Batman Tale, Dark Knight, and and Walt Simons who transformed Walt Simonson who transformed Thor, uh, John Byrne, Paul Smith, Dave Cockrum, Chris Claremont, the the epic run of 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 X Men that continues to define that age like nothing before or after. So I got to experience these great visionaries, and. Uh, eventually got to meet so many of them and i mean it, it was just it's fascinating that 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 i grew into the business that i love so much and i was able to have long meaningful conversations with someone like a frank miller and he gave me insights about how he was approaching his career you know uh when, when he was my age uh people like george perez which i'll expand upon in a little while as, as, as i as i as i cover another subject but meeting your heroes and for the most part all of it going amazingly and 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 being that next level of inspiration that i know i needed i needed that to keep going and that kind of dovetails into uh i am literally and, and there's no cynicism in this game i am thankful for the discouragements that i encountered even as a young man trying to um get anybody to take me seriously in that i wanted to draw comic books and illustrate graphic novels for a living and I had instructors and teachers in high school who completely were 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 doing their um their 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 you know giving me their best efforts to dissuade me to say there's no future in this you shouldn't be doing this you should worry about spot illustrations and advertising and I'm like no 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 you don't understand it's comic book storytelling there there there's this is a business you can make you can you can get paid to do this like I can I can you know, pay my rent and tell stories and do sequential storytelling and, and fighting to get my curriculum that, that every two months I could hand in an X amount of uh, storytelling pages, even though they were just kind of, you know, b- you know, baffled. And look, you guys, I painted the bowl of fruit. I painted the Corvette. I did scenic paintings of, you know, uh, lakes and, and mountains and trees. I did all that Bob Ross stuff. I did that, you know, 14, 15, Working with acrylics and oil paints and and uh, 
and watercolors, but it did not stack up to two giant figures knocking the shit out of themselves across multiple pages, okay? And that's what I wanted to do. And so many people hadn't really been exposed to that because comic books really weren't, you know, a part of Southern California. I've talked to you guys. One of the biggest, you know, reasons I started my studio was because there was no one. I, 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 I would go to all these different shows as I became an older teen and I would ask time and again, are, are you from Southern California? Are you from Southern California? Do, do you live in the area? Everybody was coming from New York. George Perez would fly out from New York City, later Florida. John Byrne would make appearances from New York. Frank Miller was living in New York. Walt Simonson was living in New York. Howard Chaikin was living in New York. He'd eventually moved to, to, to Southern California and work in the LA uh, TV and movie scene. But in the but even by the mid to late 80s, there was not a giant presence in Southern California. But we would change that and we'll get to that. But I'm thankful for the discouragements because it, it showed me that nothing's going to come easy. Everything's going to be somewhat of a struggle, some bigger than others. But you got to steal yourself and be able to overcome those challenges. And, uh, you know, what they really are and what you're encountering, and you may be encountering one right now, is a trial. You're encountering a trial. And when I had to stand my ground at 16 years old with an art teacher that told me, there's no future in this. You're wasting your time. You know, it was countered by a great mom and a great dad who were like, no, no, no we believe in you. My, my, my mom was a little skeptical. That's what moms are for. So we just kind of forgive them. But my dad cheered me on. He understood it. He's like, no, you, you go. You get, you get after this. This is great. Keep, keep it up. Keep it up. That looks great. Keep drawing. He really, my dad cheered me on. My mom did not discourage me, uh, you know. Maybe, maybe at times I would read uncertainty with her, but it was never like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? But so those, those people who do discourage you learn to take it and use it as fuel. Your, your favorite athletes get discouraged. Your favorite athletes are, uh, are asked after a bad game. You know, like I watched a quarterback this last weekend as he was at the podium and someone's like, you know, they booed you. And he's like, interesting, you know, cause what they're trying to do is they're trying to get under your skin. They're trying to elicit a reaction and, and maybe create more pain and more frustration for you in the process. Words matter, especially nowadays with, uh, with, with social media being as it is and, and, and so many things can be recorded and shared and, and you, you're given a voice and you can tweet it out, blast it out, share it on Facebook, Instagram. Um, you know, they're looking, they are looking for a way for you to, um, give into that discouragement and frustrate you and don't do it. I didn't do it. I learned it at a very young age. When I talk about trials, I'm thankful uh, again for the trial my family went through with my dad when he went in for a brain tumor. I've, I've shared it here before. I won't get into it very much, but he went into a coma as, as a result of a blood clot and he, and he was in the hospital for nine months. He, when, when he woke up out of that coma, he had learned to walk and talk again. He had been completely sedated. My mom was encouraged routinely by doctors to unplug him. I've shared, they called him a vegetable. You're a vegetable. Nobody says, nobody calls anybody a vegetable anymore. But in 1978, man, they were really comfortable (laughs) with (laughs) describing your, your loved one, your, 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 you know, your husband or your father as a vegetable. And they would recommend to my mom that he was never going to wake up. Now, during this time, you know, my mom was raising two teenagers, my sister and myself, and I, I got to be honest, there were times she got really down and she would cry and I would hear her crying in her room. And one night I just in particular, and this was uh, otherworldly because I, I felt like I was really touched and, uh, and, 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 and given words that I would not otherwise give, but I walked in, I heard my mom weeping, crying, uh, in bed and she had been taking different medications to calm her down. And, and back in the seventies, man, those doctors were, were, were prescribing that stuff in, in, in like, you know, you know, 
supersized quarts of, of pills and, and uh, medications. But my mom turned to me, tears in her eyes, and said, I wonder if we're being punished. I wonder if our family is being punished. And it was so funny because I, I kept my composure and I said to my mom, Mom, this is just a trial. And, and, and we're going to get through this and we're going to be stronger for it. We just, we just got to get through it. And I even think she looked at me like, what is 10-year-old Robbie Liefeld telling me, Patty Liefeld, you're like, this is a trial. We are not being punished. We will get through this to the other side and we will be stronger for it. And when I left and I, and I closed the door behind me, she wasn't crying anymore. And I walked to my room and I was like, what did I just say? How did those words form inside of me? And you know, I've mentioned my parents both worked at a church when I was a kid and I'm, I'm thankful for the faith that I was raised in and, and the strength that it's given me and uh, the love that it's shown me because what I believe more than anything is to love. And uh, that's what my parents modeled for me. But, but those trials, that, that year with my dad, that steeled me for everything to come. Like I said, you know, you always read about athletes who are soft, athletes who are hard, athletes who have thin skin. Look, that experience steeled me. I've shared with, with you guys on other episodes, but you really can't tell me like, and, and everyone, art is subjective. Some people are going to like stuff and they're not going to like others. And when other people, even now online, take shots at me, I'm like, is that all you got? Is it, do you think that equals like nine months of your dad being in a coma? No, it, it doesn't. It won't. It can't. Moving on. Uh, I hope that your trials that you're in, if you're in one right now, I hope that it, 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 uh, it's about to end and you're about to get to the other side of it. But I know that it can make you stronger than, than, than you've ever been before. And once you get to the other side of it, as our family did, as my mom did, my sister and myself, and more than anybody, my dad did, uh, it can really prepare you and give you a, uh, just a strength moving forward. So I'm thankful for trials. <clears throat> it steeled me. So as I got older, I met more people in my comic book community. As I started to go to comic book uh, stores, all the stores in the area, and, and Orange County started booming one after the other. Comic Castle, Adventureland, Fantasy Comics, uh, you know, uh, uh, th- th- there, was, uh, there was another store that, 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 that's escaping me, but uh, Land of Oohs and Oz. These are actual stores that I would attend. And then going to the different creation conventions that they were throwing all, all over the county. I'd meet friends. I'd meet new faces. We made, we bonded. We bonded over our love of Star Wars and horror films. John Carpenter's Halloween, uh, Escape from New York, the X-Men, Daredevil, the new Teen Titans. And I, I, I started to be welcomed into fan clubs. And through those fan clubs, those um, fan communities that, 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 that created newsletters and fan-created fan contributing uh, uh, fan magazines made by our fan contributions. I met friends and, I, and I'm thankful for the friends that I made in that community. Friends like Hank Canals, friends like John Balant, friends like John Trent. Hank Canals would go on and, and be a key executive at DC Comics for almost 15 years, really um, working alongside all of your favorites that worked there during that time, working with all your favorite characters and he'd come from the theme parks. Uh, at, at uh, Six Flags, which were at the time, I don't know if they are anymore, but at the time, 20 years ago, affiliated, owned by Warner Brothers. But obviously, Warner Brothers has been through so much, I, I don't have the asset list in front of me any longer. But, but 
Hank went on, followed his own path. We made a couple comics together. We had fun. I would drive out to his house in Corona, which for me at the time was a big leap. I would drive the 20, 25 minutes. We saw Lethal Weapon with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover the night it came out. Saw it at the Orange Synodome. I can tell you exactly where we sat, just like with every movie I've ever seen. What theater, what time of day, where we sat, just like I can tell you where I bought every comic book ever, period. Full stop. People have tested me. Trust me. I can do this. Hank was instrumental in hopping in the car and going to the very first WonderCon held in Oakland, California. And if Hank doesn't tell me after all the discouragement and the discouragement on that floor as I went to get my samples looked at and get a job in comic books because I was, you know, I had I graduated high school when I was 17. I turned 18 in October of that year. And then by the next year, I was hunting for work, hunting. I, I thought my samples were in good enough shape that I could get hired. Hank encouraged me after Dark Horse and a company called Kumiko or Comico, uh, a company called First Comics. And uh, so we got Dark Horse, First Comics, Kumiko, uh, Slave Labor Comics. That was a label. They said, we're not accepting any, any we're, we're not accepting new, new samples. We're not looking at new, new artists. And I'm like, well, you're not, you're not going to take this out of my hand. Like imagine extending it and, 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 and you're kind of like, you're not going to take this. You're not going to leave and look. Nope. Dick Giordano, uh, long since passed, uh, big time figure, talent coordinator, um, wore, wore many hats, huge, big, big, big name, big influence, big artist. Did the same thing, sat in a stool and said, we're, we're not really looking at, any, at anything, but I'll take them home with me. He said, I'll take them home with me. And he was good to his word, but I was so discouraged. I was about to walk out the door. I've told a, I'm telling you a very truncated version of this story. Uh, I was so devastated. I thought I was going to get a job with so many publishers being at this first show. And Hank said, you should go stand line at Marvel. Marvel had a line of about 10 people. Now imagine that everyone else figured out what I did. No one's, no one's hiring. But Marvel's here. Mark Grunewald, the late Mark Grunewald, uh, a writer who uh, wrote some of my favorite comics as a kid. He wrote Marvel 2 and 1. He wrote the Project Pegasus uh, saga. He wrote the Serpent Crown Affair. He went on to write, write uh, Captain America and Quasar all, all by himself. Um, huge talent, big editor, big, big, uh, decision maker for Marvel comics. You know, he was there. He flew out to look at portfolios, to look at young talent. I've told you how, when I got to into the line and I gave him my panel, my pages, he stood up, extended his arm to me and congratulated me and welcomed me into the comic business. Welcome to Marvel comics. He said, I, I, it happened. If I walk out that door because I was discouraged and didn't listen to Hank, I think I have a completely different career. I believe Every minute matters. I think things are out of time. So thank you, Hank, for directing me towards Mark Grunewald, where I would give him my samples. And he would uh, get back to me, give me some Marvel Universe handbook uh, stuff immediately. I mean, I was getting paid to draw comics three weeks later. I handed in the, the, in the in Marvel Universe, the Book of the Dead, that Marvel Universe handbook, where they would give all the different characters. They were doing a Book of the Dead, all the deceased characters. And I was given the entire roster of the zodiac and i did it with a huge smile on my face got inked by joe rubenstein they saw print it was uh in 1987 because when i have told current management at marvel that i have been there through let's see let's see uh, jim shooter was the editor-in-chief at the time followed by tom defalco followed by bob harris i'm sorry not bob harris followed by the um the the group editor which lasted for a year which was four group four different group editors that acted like one so then there was bob harris so that's four then there's uh joe casada that's five that's axel alonzo is six and now cb sabolsky seven i have been through in my career seven uh 
editor-in-chiefs, each one uh, very different than the other. And, and certainly Jim Shooter was the briefest because he was gone shortly after. But, but while I was there, he was the head honcho. So while I'm waiting for more Marvel work, DC does contact me. And I'm thankful. Dick Giordano was a man of his word. Took, took his samples, took my samples, had somebody contact me. I was drawing short stories uh, in Warlord and Secret Origins and waiting for my you know, big call up to the big times because I thought, man, I, I can do this. I can do this. The uh, Barbara and Carl Kiesel, they are now Barbara Randall and Carl Kiesel. They are no longer married, but they were the Kiesels when I met them in the uh, summer of 1987. And they had a proposal for Hawk and Dove. It was just a two-page kind of a outline. And I read it and I knew this is where I would shine. I knew I would absolutely shine. And they did not discourage me. I think they, they informed me there's other artists that are being considered. And what I want to do is I want to not only, you know, thank those other artists that passed on the gig for whatever reasons they chose, because you have to understand doing Hawk and Dove was not sexy to anybody who had probably been in the business even for a few years. People are always looking for a better job. They're looking for a better gig. You're looking to go up in management, not go down. Hawk and Dove had not sold a comic book ever. They're initial launch with such talents as Steve Ditko, who created freaking Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, and Gil Kane, who is one of the greatest action artists uh, of all space and time, and, and came to uh, prominence drawing Green Lantern and, Fla- and, 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 and The Flash. He had done, along with Steve Ditko, a short, brief run of Hawk and Dove in the late 60s. It was canceled after seven issues. Goodbye. And uh, these characters did not have a great fan base, did not have a great uh, appeal built in with them like wow i get to draw an x-men job okay so i am thankful that the kiesels believed in me and took a flyer on me even though my editor literally told me i was the last guy selected because everyone else turned it down and it wasn't a an indictment on the project because he believed in it. it was an indictment on me you are the last guy who i want to have this book illustrated by but i've run out of choices and you're the guy so i'm thankful for that i am truly thankful for that because i knew Hey, I had been trying to. Guys, I've, I've been turned down, especially in my life, earlier in my career. I was turned down for Justice League fill-ins, for uh, characters who I really liked, getting their stories told in uh, Secret Origins. I really wasn't a fan of the character Nightshade. That's the card, that's the, that's the straw I drew. That's what they gave me. I did a Nightshade, Nightshade story in Secret Origins. I don't know the number, uh, but I did all that waiting to get called up into the big leagues, and Hawk and Dove ended up being the big leagues, and I am so thankful. And really, Barbara and Carl helped navigate a very difficult situation with a uh, an editor who was determined to make my, my my time on that book miserable. But during this time, I'm going to tell you something else that I'm thankful for: discipline. I'm thankful for that discipline hit me. That the necessity to make my deadlines was such, you know, that I understood that that without that discipline, I would not get paid to do regular comic because I could not make this my living. I could not pursue my dream and, and do what we all want to do is live, you know, move out from mom and dad. You know, I have, I have a son. He's, he's, he's acting. My other son's in finance. He lives in Dallas. Now he's moved away from us. He is fulfilling, you know, what he went to school to do. And now he's starting his own life and, 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 and going to build his own family one day. And right now he's building his own career. My, my son is in the arts. My youngest son, he's gone off. He's done a bunch of projects on set but when when that's over he's coming and he's living with us as he's saving money to eventually have his own place and i know what that feels like i want him you know 
to go live his dreams. And I, I told my wife before he came home, remember, you know, we're his consolation prize. We're, we're not, you know, him coming back to us from all this excitement from, from filming. Uh, he went to film a movie in the middle of filming a series. You know, we're the consolation prize. We're not the, 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 the you know, we're, we're not the prized de- destination. And, and that's how it should be. But I wasn't going to be able to uh, buy my own place starting with a condo, then a house, unless I got regular work. And the only way to get regular work was to meet those deadlines. And so that discipline had to be implemented. And I said goodbye to a lot of opportunities. There was a lot of things I started not doing. You know, I was 19, 20, and I'm not hanging out with my friends. I'm turning down opportunities to go to parties and functions and, uh, you know, even even have any sort of regular romance in my life at the time because I'm like, I needed to be in a relationship with that Bristol board and putting pictures on on that those pages and making them come to life and tell the best damn stories I could possibly tell so that I'd get more promotions and get to exactly where I was hoping I would get. And uh, so Hawk and Dove created that for me. I'm thankful for a man named Bob Harris. I have his Polaroid, a Polaroid that uh, was taken of us when I, when it was in his offices, uh, when I flew to New York to shoot the Levi's 501 commercial, which if you aren't aware, there was a campaign called button your fly and they promoted, uh, Levi's 501 jeans. And I, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be called up to make that commercial and they were going to shoot it at my office, but they and they couldn't at the last minute, they recreated my office down to the last pencil and bulletin board. And they came, flew out to my office, took, took detailed video footage and pictures and then recreated you know they're like can we take your desk i'm like when i come home i have to draw i need my desk i need all this stuff here so they completely recreated my fullerton studio and uh i shot in uh brooklyn for two days but i would go visit marvel because i mean i'm in the area after filming wrapped each day and there was a time at this point x-force i am drawing x-force 2 in the hotel room when i'm shooting uh the 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 uh, 501 commercial and before that I went to do the 501 commercial the sales for X Force had been recorded at, at at the you know at the time the best selling comic but later that summer Jim would be the best selling comic with X Men number one but you know five million copies of X Force were achieved on the other side of that New Mutants run and uh, I had deadlines to hit I brought those pages with me to the suite that they put me up in. And I have a witness in one Marat Michaels, who was my assistant, also my road dog for that trip. And, uh, you know, he observed and watched me stay up late trying to ink. Uh, I, I know that they were the end pages, the last pages where X-Force is uh, having a uh, kind of a, a, a workout, uh, a, a running through a kind of a battle workout where they fight each other in the jungle. And... I go to see Bob Harris and thank him and, and, and just touch the magic that was the magic, you know, that was the Marvel offices. Cause you got to understand in, in the summer of 1991, I am 22 going on 23 and it's all just a great big world to me still. And I'm just so amazed that I get to make comics and that I have a, a, a following and the fan base is supporting me to the point that we were able to sell a million copies of new mutants 100 a year after I was told that it was going to get canceled. You know, if I, if I didn't, uh, turn it around and they didn't really care it was kind of like here's your challenge rob if you want it and uh i i was able to succeed but bob harris i want to thank him for knowing that it was time to uh rearrange the chairs in the x-men office he felt that fandom was gonna 
want something other than what they had been getting for the last five or six years. And it wasn't just me. He recruited Jim Lee and Wills Portacio, eventually Larry Stroman. And we became kind of the new energy at Marvel, the new energy in the X-Men office for, for, for damn sure. But it translated beyond. And Bob knew like he needed to put together a new team to make a run at a championship. The Spider-Man group was super competitive with Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson and eventually Mark Bagley. And Bob knew it. Bob knew that he had to, um, that the X-Men had to adapt and change. And so he made artistic changes all throughout the, uh, you know, the, the, the array of titles that they were publishing. Mark Silvestri went to Wolverine off X-Men. Jim went on X-Men. Uh, when he went to the new X-Men title, Wills Portacio came in from X-Factor, which is where Wills was uh, put. When Wills went to X-Factor, Larry Stroman took over X-Factor. Uh, the team on New Mutants was removed in, in favor of my taking over. And that energy, we fed off each other. And uh, that leads me straight into, I mean, I may be skipping steps, but I mean, we fed off each other and the office surged. There is no measurement uh, that you can take of what we did, uh, myself, Jim Lee, Wills Portacio, in that office that we didn't impact it and, and turn it around and, and shift it for a brand new era. And it was during that time that you got Cable and Deadpool and Domino and you got uh, Bishop and, and, and you got Gambit and you got all brand new versions and, and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, upgrades on the characters, their, their, their consequences, their adventures. And that's because Bob saw a spark in us. I've, I've done an episode that I highly recommend you listen to if you haven't already called The L Boys, because that is how Todd McFarlane, who had been in the business, I want to say about four years before I did, maybe five, but definitely four. And he was looking to meet The L Boys, The L Boys. And that's Lee Leifeld, Lim, and Larson. Now, Ron Lim wasn't part of our tribe that we, uh, man, I, I, I hope we can still save tribe and, and not get canceled. Um, but but it felt like we were a, a tribe. I, I, that sounds better to me than a gang. But uh, so he 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 met all of us and, and made predictions. And one of Todd's predictions was that Ron Lim. If, if, if I'm a betting man, I'm going all in on Lim. He can he can do two books a month. He he's like Bernie. He can do two books a month. And and Ron could do two books a month. But again, that was a fire. Like oh yeah, Todd's Todd's picking Ron Lim, huh? Because I mean again, Todd was the, the veteran among us. Todd was the oldest among us i was the youngest among us and the funny part is i still am and i always will be uh but that l boys that unity that we achieved now we were super competitive i was super competitive with eric larson he was super competitive with todd i was super competitive with jim we were all competitive with each other and that fire i just want to thank my peers my image my fellow image founders what we did i used to think could be duplicated. And over the last 30 years, I, I realized it, it will never be duplicated. It, it was a one moment in time. I, I can hear Whitney Houston right now. Give me one moment in time. If you want to hear me sing, you'll have to come on my whatnot live stream. I, I don't do it here on the podcast, no matter how much I, I summon the, the way I think I can summon the urge to do it. But we were a moment in time, uh, seven really competitive guys with great commercial instincts that decided to unite and uh, start a new label that rocked the comic world, rocked, rocked the foundation. Retailers sold tons and tons of our books. We made them money. We, um, you know, 
paid for their expanded stores, their fixes, increased staffs. I mean, we we were um we were good for the business, and and uh, Image Comics to this day remains good good to the business. And we each had that discipline, and we had that eye of the tiger, and we were competitive. We were we didn't hide it. We wanted to take each other out. We wanted to um, prove our superiority to each other time and again and again and again. We would team up against each other. Uh, we would, you know, uh, it, it was just it was just a fun fun time of competitiveness. Uh, when you watch the the uh, documentaries, whether it's the Michael Jordan doc. Uh, or you watch the documentary that they made about the original dream team when we formed the original dream team to go compete on the international uh, Olympic scene because we had been losing with our college players and they were selling, sending their very best. We decided we'd send our very best. When you watch Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Charles Barkley and, and Michael Jordan and all scrimmaging and the competitiveness that that brought out with each and every one of them, that is Image Comics. That was the spirit of what we were doing. And it produced great benefits. For me, it was always about building on when I started at Marvel with all these different character collections to, 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 to go beyond Cable and Deadpool and Domino and Kane uh, and Feral and Shatterstar and Strife to, and, and, and to do stuff that I would create, you know, 100% myself. And today, today you know, this past summer, if I wanted to put a glow-in-the-dark cover on Profit, I don't have to consult with anyone. I'm the guy. I do that. Profit was introduced in the first year of Image Comics. He's still probably one of my most memorable, best-selling comics uh, that, that I did, especially in that Image Comics sphere. And uh, if I want to do an acetate, like an animated cell cover, I don't have to talk to anybody. I just do it. I just do it. And that's the benefit that we all get. If Todd wants to expand Spawn in the way that he has, he does it. There's nobody standing in front of him. We created catalogs of characters and adventures. And along the way, we we continued with our discipline and created monthly comic books that you guys all each um, consumed and you you guys you know supported. And I am so thankful. And if and, and if you're not of that age and you weren't there, then you have no kind of really you may hear about it but you really it was one of those like it's like the beatles or the rolling stones at their height you really had to be there to experience the connection with the audience but you can go back and look at those books and i along with my fellow image comics founders am extremely proud of all the work that we did i was too busy chasing you know the competitive spirit to kind of ever settle down and realize um the quality of all the stuff that we were doing and that opens the door to i am thankful ridiculously thankful for each and every um, artist who who came inside my Extreme Studios and worked alongside of me and contributed pages, and uh, I learned from each and every one of you. I learned from each and every one of you, and I am talking about Marat Michaels and Dan Fraget and Chap Yap and Jeff Matsuda, and I want to say all your names, and Norm Ratman and Danny Mickey and Art Tabear and Dan Panosian and Kurt Hathaway and Eric Stevenson and Matt Hawkins. And, uh, you know, now I'm going to brain fart Jaime Mendoza and Larry, Larry Stucker and, uh, Marlo Alquiza. Um, it's, it's, it's honestly overwhelming and I'm going to blank and, and omit somebody, Pat Lee. We created this incredible community, but again, I think everyone would say that we were moving so fast as young people. I mean, I was a 24 year old trying to lead 20 year olds and I, I, I really don't recommend that to anyone it's tough it's a tough job and i realized really early on that maybe this isn't what it's all cracked up to i love the clubhouse that i was able to create and the uh the 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 different connections that we would all make as a result of that community again go back 
to earlier when I said in Southern California, there was no comic book community. And, and so I decided I'd make one myself. And so in the heart of Orange County, we had 60 plus comic book artists showing up every day, penciling, inking, writing, coloring. And we went for really, really, really hard for about five years, created hundreds of comic books. And I look back at those with great glee. And I look back at all the times that I shared doing life with these guys and uh, shooting, you know, showing off my horrendous basketball skills with one Marat Michaels or Jeff Matsuda and, uh, you know, throwing giant three foot styrofoam airplanes off the, off the 12th floor of the building and watching them land on the freeway be because we were reckless and irresponsible. And no, I didn't just say that. So don't come looking for me. Uh, just, just all the crazy fast food. Um, I'm sorry my tastes were so bad, but I'm thankful that you went along with me to Taco Bell, to Del Taco, to El Pollo Loco, to all the burger joints. We united together and made some really fun comics and uh, honed our craft. I, I know that every single person at Extreme Studios advanced themselves, made themselves better, and we did it by iron sharpening iron. There were tr- was, It was truly iron sharpening iron. And a guy like a Marat Michaels would tell me about a decade ago, oh man, you know, the money that you were paying for me to just do layouts, I'd go home and do 30 layouts and be like, wow, and come in. I just, I'd be like, what did I pay you again? And, and I, when he told me, I was like, that's awesome. I, I'm so glad I was able to be, uh, to be generous. And I'm thankful, you know, if that generosity inspired more loyalty to extreme and stand around maybe a little longer than each of them ever intended. But Marat was a great storyteller. Todd Knock, Todd Knock, can't leave him out. Todd Knock did layouts for us too. There was, a, so Anthony Wynn, and uh, you were, you were, you were um, very, uh, very interesting. And uh, Cedric Nacone, all these guys that came through our door, all the fun books, the lead on paper on Bristol that we put down, the ink, the colors, and the comic books. I just want to say thank you to Extreme Studios. Thank you to each and every one of you and for the magic that you helped create and the magic that you certainly instilled in me. And uh, specifically, I'm going to go down through my Image Comics brethren. I'm going to start with uh, Eric Larson. We've always had so much fun. I haven't seen you in uh, late eyes on you physically since 2019 when we went out. You were here at a convention in Orange County and I met you and we went and you had your quadruple burger with the cheese and I couldn't even believe you could unhinge your jaw and fit that inside. But Eric has always been a giant eater, but great energy, great knowledge. Love talking comics, love, love making comics alongside you. Loved all the history that we shared uh, from Marvel Comics all through Image Comics. And, and just uh, thank you for pushing me and for uh, just the inspiration that your work was. Jim Valentino, you're the, so thankful for you. You're the, you're the greatest mentor that I had. You changed the course of my storytelling, made me 100% a better storyteller, introduced me to different storytelling components like like looking beyond the drawings of Jack Kirby and looking at the staging and the layouts and the page design and uh, just all the fun we had, all the walks to market, all the different restaurants, all the different uh, trips to the comic store, uh, sharing office space, uh, evaluating each other's uh, uh, pages. I have an entire, that secret origin story with Nightshade that I mentioned earlier. I found 11 by 17 Xeroxes of that the other day and the Xeroxes aren't really the important part. It's that Jim gave me like, sharpie notes on each and every page instructing me what i he thinks i should have done differently what i did good what i nailed what i missed and it was great it was great instruction and so i just uh got to know jim really well his entire family 
uh, from the late 80s. I was like, for instance, I was on Jim's couch watching the debut of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, the night that it debuted because that was a really big deal. That was the first Star Trek spinoff. So uh, I went and, and spent time with my you know, genre buddy, my mentor, Jim Valentino, and hung out with his kids and his family. And we turned it on. We watched that original episode and, 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 and watched it unlock all of the possibilities that we were um, so excited to anticipate. And so thank you, Mr. Jim Valentino. Mark Silvestri, you're the best damn artist I have ever seen put lead uh, to Bristol. Your pencil and your penciling is magnificent. You always push yourself. Your work is, uh, the ren- whether it's the rendering, the gestures, the storytelling, where you put the camera, your gorgeous, amazing faces, the way you draw men and women uh, as if they're the most, I mean, e- each man and woman that he draws is the most attractive uh, version of that character ever. Um, super iconic. Uh, just larger than life influence. Whenever we butted heads, uh, it wasn't life or death. It wasn't uh, of tremendous consequence. And I learned so much just from your talents and uh, your quiet demeanor. And uh, maybe looking back, I would have been a little more quiet as well because that's, uh, that's, I've, I've looked, I've learned as, as, as I've gotten older, even though I host a podcast and I talk a lot, but I've learned the power of silence. But thank you for all of the amazing uh, talent and illustrations and for saying yes. You were really, really more than anybody, the last guy to jump on board and it made such a significant difference. And that Image Comics was so about that first you know, four or five years where the impact was so thunderous and so, you know, uh, momentous. It just, we, we put such an imprint. So uh, that would bring me to Wills Portacio, who I think is the smartest artist among us, who has the most experience in all manner of painting, nowadays computer illustration, all the different programs that he is. I mean, there's, there's never been a step. Uh, Wills is never a step behind. He's always a step ahead, especially in regards to technology. The most amazing anatomy figures, powerful figures, anatomy, muscles, musculature, killer faces, an original rendering style that we all called the fade. He used it uh, on X Factor, on X Men, on, on Wetworks, and just what a sweet guy. I was able to work with Wills again in 2019. He did uh, covers and an entire issue of Major X alongside of me, and it's my favorite issue. I can't believe I, I got an entire issues of work out of, out of Wilson that he. Uh, he stepped up to the bat and he just knocked it all the way out of the park. He is uh, just a wonderful human being, but really kind of the secret weapon of the 90s comic books with, with what, what he put forth in regards to uh, the design, oh, especially storytelling, the way he'd do those floating uh, panels that would you know descend on a page or ascend. They'd go up, they'd go down. He would move your eye inside the panel and then have the panel literally move your eye. It was a design sense that he mastered above everybody. And I, I just could not have been more um, just blown away by Wills. And again, just such a sweet man, great family, and uh, amazing to stand alongside you. Jim Lee, thank you for every uh, competitive spirit that you ever uh, brought out in me. Thank you for uh, all the fun that we had in the X office because you had one end of the office and I had the other and we turned it upside down. We shook it. And at the end of the day, the summer of 1991, we took the top two slots in the history of comic books. Um, your energy, your discipline. Uh, I, I felt you coming as, as a young artist when you would, you know, be doing Punisher War Journal. And I'm like, look at all these different techniques and influences that he's mastering, that he's blending together that he's uh you know making beautiful art from i can't relax 
you know, and, and, and because of my peer group, all of these guys, I could never get comfortable. I could never get relaxed. And that's the best possible feeling. Cause when you get relaxed, you get run over, but Jim brought a significant, uh, brand of impactful drawing, extremely appealing figures, faces, rendering, um, and, and just his, he was a force. He was a force to be reckoned with. You couldn't just stand alongside. I am so thankful that you called me uh, in June of 1990 to inform me that you were next. I'm next. It's me, uh, is what you told me when you were going to get that X-Men book. And I got off the phone and I felt sick to my stomach because I was going to get left behind and I needed to make X-Force happen. And if that phone call doesn't happen, I don't get a lead, the lead start that I do. And I needed every second to make X-Force happen. So thank you. Thank you for all of your competitive spirit, all of your amazing talent. And uh, finally, Mr. Todd McFarlane, possibly the best uh, coach any of us ever had. Uh, you would be the guy that said, go ask for more. Don't be scared. He ran the spreadsheets. He had the finances. He followed the money. He would say, you'd make more money if you did it this way. You'd make more money if you took on this job. You'd make more money if you did more co- covers. He laid out the dynamics. I never got around to do it. He laid out the um, absolute uh, financials behind doing a cover. You can do one, uh, not, not doing a cover, doing a poster. Taught it a Spider-Man poster that hung on most of your walls. He had a Hulk poster where Hulk was kind of piling uh, away from a devastated, like uh, looked like a nuclear outpost. Um, and uh, you know, you guys remember the, the, the Spider-Man cover was, uh, was, was vertical and the Hulk cover, the Hulk poster, sorry, was horizontal. And he'd be like this one, uh, illustration, you do that and you're going to get great royalties. The royalty paid on posters is better. I never did one. I was too busy trying to get my comic books out that I couldn't do it, but it's that kind of stuff. Todd is sly. He is never ending like Jim. He is relentless. His presence and the competitive spirit that he inspires is second to none. You gave me great uh, knowledge early in my career. You gave me uh, tremendous guidance. In uh, it's that one time, and I've reminded people before <laughs> when I said when he, when when uh, he called me up and go, "Hey, how'd that list of demands that you gave Marvel? How'd that how'd that, how'd that list go through?" And I said, uh, "They're they're going for it." And he goes, "Oh, bud, it doesn't work for everybody." Old, I won't say his name. Because he was advising other young artists. Oh, I gave the same advice that fill in the blank. And uh, fill in the blank got fired. They fired him. <laughs> and Todd did chuckle because it was like, you know, the, the business is brutal. You got to know the hand. It's like Kenny Rogers sings in the, in the game where you got to know when to hold him and know when to fold him. But I was too young and too stupid. So, you know, I went all in every time. But that, it's also when I realized that he was advising others. When I imitate you, it is with the utmost respect. You have a you have an essence and an aura about you that I believe can only be untapped. That can only be tapped into if I absolutely do the best to imitate you. But uh, I did an entire podcast that Todd should receive a lifetime achievement award for how he pushed the toy industry further and into a different space from where they were. They were the toy industry was cheap and. Uh, very limited in, in its scope and vision, but mostly it was cheap. They had bean counters and Todd showed you how much further eight cents would go or 10 cents. And, and he changed the way that uh, toy figures were articulated, produced, packaged. So uh, he's quite the dynamo and I want to thank him. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Wills. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Jim Valentino. And thank you, Eric Larson. Uh, it was just an honor and a pleasure to, to, uh, 
work alongside you guys. It still is, but Image Comics is a crowning achievement. And uh, I just want to thank you for those years, that time, those incredible memories. They're, they're, they're so rich. I can tap in and access them at any given time. I want to thank Marvel for uh, extending to me the opportunity to do Captain America and the Avengers and to turn those books around. It was uh, frustrating for me as a fan to know that people were passing over Captain America and the Avengers. And again, teaming with Jim because you know our union goes beyond Image Comics and we did Heroes Reborn. And if you want to know all about Heroes Reborn, there is a dedicated five five episodes, Heroes Reborn. Uh, the other night I was on one of my live streams and somebody said, the Heroes Reborn, I just listened to those podcast episodes. Those are the best episodes in your entire catalog. I can't deny it. It's hard to know when you've peaked <laughs> in the middle of your first year because you finally told these incredible behind-the-scenes stories that you'd never anticipated. Um, but Heroes Reborn, Marvel Comics, Captain America, Avengers, I'm so thankful. I am so thankful. My Extreme Studios brethren, my Image Comics brethren, this incredible business. I'm thankful for a wife that cheered me on all throughout this time, stood by me, took up every fight, became part of every um, cause, uh, creator's cause or, or business clause that I decided to take up, never wavering. She's tough as nails. Joy Liefeld is amazing. And by this time, Heroes Reborn, you know, we're in a very young marriage, but she is always backing me up, always um, just there for me, the people who've known her. I, I feel like Rob enjoyed our union. It's like we've never not been each other, even though we have all this history before each other. I mean, we're young. We were kids when we got married, but it's like she is my rock, and uh, this is right before we start kids. And then in the early 2000s, boom, Luke comes. 2002, my son Chase. Uh <clears throat> 2004, my daughter Olivia, we just were just having the very best time making babies. And we made this incredible family. And so Joy and my my, my, my family, my kids, uh, Chase and Luke and Libby, in no particular order ever, inspired me beyond my wildest imagination. Showed me what it was like to truly love somebody as deeply and passionately and selflessly it shows you like, you don't understand what it means. Like I'll take a bullet for you until you have a kid and you go, I would freaking run in a street and take that car full on. If it meant that you escaped unharmed, if it meant that you were going to live, you, you get that when you have kids, you understand it fully. And so I am so, so grateful. And I am so thankful that I was modeled. My parents <clears throat> struggled with all of the, my dad's sicknesses. But through it all, I knew they loved each other and they communed that love to myself and my, my sister. And I just want to thank my kids for being just as wonderful and inspiring and fun. They teach me new stuff. I, 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 learn, I learn about new music acts. I learn about, um, to this day, I wouldn't sit down and watch My Hero Academia if my you know, teenage son said, Dad, you got to sit here and watch this with me right now. Will you do this? Will you do this? Yes. Dad, I need you to watch Chainsaw Man right now, which is what we did a couple nights back. Um, my, my oldest son who goes, dad, I want, I want to go through the Quentin Tarantino library, you know, six, seven years ago. Dad, I want to, I want to watch all the Francis Ford Coppola movies. And my daughter who says, dad, can you take me to Bruno Mars? Can you take me to Taylor Swift? Can you take me? <laughs> and I'm that dad standing with my daughter and her three friends who are purposely standing as far away as they possibly can, uh, where there is no room, but they've suddenly created three feet that aren't supposed to be there in between chairs that are locked next to each other. And some of the dads and moms, you know what I'm talking about here. But uh, I go to all these great concerts with her. I cannot go further without thanking a man in my life named Paul. And uh, Paul is my publicist. Some of you have seen him. Uh, he has been a constant in my life the last seven years. He uh, fights more 
uh, battles on my behalf in, in, in helping me uh, launch my products, get my products placed, uh, have projects happen. And I just want to extend, uh, he is so good to my family. He is so good to each and every one of us. We love him dearly, his family. And just thank you because part of getting uh, stuff done is, is getting it promoted. Promotions is always very important. And that's the other thing that the Image 7, the L boys, knew we put a value on, uh, on promotion and knew that we had to get the word out and, and share it. And, you know, since, uh, 2015, I have been working alongside Paul. So yeah, it's, it's coming up on eight years and he has been such a great friend and ally and asset, uh, and just has showed so much love for me and my family. I just want to thank Paul specifically. But as the 2000s grew and new na- new names came in and the world was changing and I acclimated myself, I happened to make a brand new friend. And that is a man whose work has riveted all of you. His name is uh, Robert Kirkman. And he has riveted you with The Walking Dead and currently is riveting you with Firepower and previously riveted you with Invincible, which is about to rivet you all over you know, all over again with the second season and, and, and on, uh, on Amazon, which, which I think premieres later, comes out later in this, this next 2023. But uh, met Robert Kirkman, uh, kind of met a soulmate. Nobody I like talking comics uh, and art more with, and I include my buddy Matt and my other buddy, buddy Jim and my buddy Jimmy J. Uh, they're, they're my tribe. They're my guys who I share my passion of comic book collecting, comic artwork, the business of making comics, promoting comics, uh, just comic books in general, entertainment. Those are my guys. Jim, a brand. I didn't know that I would have two Jim V's in my life, but I do. And uh, so, so, so their first is Jim Valentino, and then this Jim V, Robert Kirkman, and Jimmy J. Uh, Four guys who I absolutely love, love, uh, again, just jo- enjoying comic book art, comic book collecting, the genre in all its basic myriad forms and influences and impact. And, uh, you know, since, since 2003, I have uh, known Robert. He's taught me a lot, taught me, uh, I mean, came in the business quite a long while after me, but uh, acclimated to it in a way that I've never seen a young writer. I mean, right out the gate with walking, getting invincible. I've had him on the show. I've had Eric Larson on the show. I've had Robert Kirkman on the show. We've got dedicated episodes where I have a great chat back and forth with, forth with them. And, and, uh, I think those are really fun episodes and, 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 and I think you will actually learn some stuff in, in, in over the course of listening to those, but, uh, same qualifies for Jim, Jim V and, and Jimmy J I've learned so much from all these guys and they are very dear friends of mine. And I just want to say thank you to, to them because I, I couldn't do what I'm doing right now if I didn't have somebody to bounce stuff off of uh, and enjoy, uh, share our enjoyment of, 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 the, of the craft, the hobby, the genre, whatever we're, we're detailing it as. Uh, again, into the first two, uh, Murat Michaels was my first assistant who grew into his own uh, professional glow. And he convinced me to take on a young guy named Dan Frega. And we've kind of always referred to them as the blood brother, blood brothers. And they were like the first two, uh, uh, Marat was the first kind of image rookie and, and Dan Frega followed him through the door and joined me at extreme studios. And those two guys will always have a special place in my heart. I love seeing where their careers are at right now, all the stuff they're doing, Dan directing, storyboarding, uh, working mostly in the entertainment business. Marat, uh, has an entrepreneurial, uh, uh, comic book franchise that he 
couple of them actually that you should follow. Look up, look up Marat Michaels. One of them is called Do You Poo. Uh, if if you get addicted, you're gonna you're gonna want to you know collect them all just like Pikachu, even though it's not Pikachu. But uh, two great guys, known them for three decades, had great relationships with all of them. And I just want to say thank you to them. I want to just say thank you to all of you for uh, showing up and picking up my work in the '80s, in the '90s, in the early 2000s, the 2010s, and now. It's a career that has touched five decades. It's uh, 37 years, and I have had just the best time. And whether you uh, meet me at a show or we interact at a convention, a store, some of you guys come up to me when I'm out and about if I'm in a city that I'm visiting or I'm local, or and we always chat and talk, and uh, you're always very kind, and your energy uh is appreciated and and I try and transfer that energy and carry me to my next assignment, filling up that next page, talking right here into this microphone. So uh just wanted to to extend my greatest uh you know thanks. And and you know, previously my mom and my dad and my sister, that family unit, I I, I should have given very specific thanks to them early on again, because your family is really what inspires you. And uh I've tried to again give the same kind of cheering to all my kids and all their endeavors, whatever they are, in the same way that my mom and dad did. It's like, okay, he's doing this. Let's get behind it. And uh, so that that's, again, I'm just trying to share what was modeled for me. But getting back to you, you, the audience, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for sharing your enthusiasm for the show. Thank you for buying my comics, my graphic novels. Um, a, a career is built on the back of the enjoyment of you, the audience. And if we're not entertaining you, uh, you're good at letting us know. And and I'm so thankful that you have gone along with this ride for me, again, across five decades, 30, 37 years. This podcast uh, was was a dream. And my son, I kept talking about I need to do a pro- podcast in the middle of the pandemic when we were all in heavy-duty lockdown, especially here in Southern California. We were in heavy-duty lockdown, and my son said, Dad, I can do this for you. I can set this up. I don't have any technical prowess whatsoever. And this will lead me into the gentleman who who handled this for me. But Chase called in the order back when Best Buy would fill in orders as a drive through You couldn't go into the store. He had ordered this Blue Yeti mic. He introduced me to the system that I use to record it on. He came home, he set it up, and he goes, Dad, you're in business. Just go ahead and do this. You can do this. And uh, that's cool. To this day, I just think, what a cool kid. He really hooked his pops up. He hooked, my, he hooked, me, up, he hooked me up big time. And uh, the show was born. And a year of talking nervously into the mic uh, has followed a couple years of talking into the mic, not so nervously, but still with some trepidation. But you guys have uh, met me on each and every episode and, and, and enjoyed every anecdote, every story, every example, every behind the scenes, the, the pulling the curtain back, uh, my, my, my history as a fan, as a kid, as, as an adult, as, uh, in my career. And I just appreciate you so much. I appreciate you and I hope that you can also be so thankful in this season for whatever your family your job your career your opportunity that you're still in the game um for what for what lies ahead i'm always i'm so thankful for all the opportunities each and every opportunity that's been open to me right now that i'm going to continue to pursue uh into the end of this year and, and into the next and into the next because you know i have hopes and dreams just like the rest of you and like the rest of you i i i have to encourage myself get up make it happen do it speak it into existence that that comes with actions can't just dream about it you got to pick up pick up the you know the phone or the pencil or the or 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 type on that keyboard and make it happen 
my podcast was in a weird place and uh, two gentlemen named James and Reed uh, came on board to help me get it to a new place. And I just want to say thank you to them so much for what they achieved in setting me up. Many of you, I, you know, don't like to always go through this because this may be the one that goes through poorly and gets, you know, has too many fixes. But so many of you have been telling me that you think the show sounds better. And um, that is for, uh, that that is uh, a result of these two guys who really stepped up and really uh, helped out in the, uh, in, in the most earnest and sincere way possible. And they're like, we just want to help. We just want to help you out. And, and that is why, uh, the, uh, the, the show has, has, uh, has been received as, 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 uh, as sounding better in, 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 uh, from, from all of, from all of your, you know, points of view. And I cannot uh, also escape, but there was a middleman who helped me get to those guys. His name is Vivian. And I just want to thank Vivian for all the help that he did because so much of the last three months involves Vivian, James, and Reed. And I just want to thank you all so much. When I think back on this year, I will think of James. I will think of Reed. I will think of Vivian. And I will think of all these names that I've shared with you because they're with me each and every day, each and every experience. Making comics is a lonely business. The first thing that I can tell you making comics is a lonely business. When my son goes to set, he's with dozens of other people who are making it happen. You know, the, some of the key players in each production have assistants. So there's an extra layer of, and those assistants are fun and funny and determined. And then you've got the sound person, the wardrobe person, the, uh, you know, the director of photography, the director, the makeup it's it's a village and you all get to go and make this tremendous art alone all of you artists know that we have to move the pencil or the apple pencil or whatever tool that you're using making digital art you have to use you you're generally using that all by yourself it's a lonely business it's you and your computer screen it's you and your bristol board on a on a lap board on a desk on an easel and it can be lonely and it's and it's it's those uh reflections of what's come before, the good stuff, the stuff that you're going to sit around and remember and be really thankful for. That's the stuff that gets you up and at it each and every day. So I hope, like myself, that you are thankful that you get to make your dreams come true. You know, again, in, in, in the words of Jack Kirby, and I won't do an impersonation of Jack Kirby, I'll just hang on his words. You know, the only thing holding me back is, you know, my imagination. And my imagination has an unlimited budget. And when he said that next to me, to this day, I can see him saying it right next to me and being blown away because he was right. As cartoonists, as illustrators, um, our imagination is only the only thing holding us back and the discipline that we have to apply to making it. As always, I am rooting you on. I'm not going to stop and tell you that I'm on Twitter or Instagram or whatnot or any of that today. I'm just going to stop this. I'm not going to read anything. This is a day just about thanks. And I thank you. I thank you for making Rob Observation part of your commute, part of your workout, uh, part of your store, part of your uh, downtime, however, whyever, whatever way that you are enacting with this show. Thank you. Thank you. I never really thought that I'd be doing this, but it's fun and uh, meeting you and having you, uh, you know, interact with me as a result of the show is truly humbling and inspiring simultaneously. So thank you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed 
this hour and 15 minute ramble of what I'm thankful for. The people, the creators, uh, what I'm going to, I know the minute I click this off, I'm, I'm going to regret. And you know what I'm going to, I'm going to, before I forget, I am going to thank David Hong, who runs all of my personal appearances. I could not get off this without thanking David Hong. He is with me at every stop that you've seen me basically the last seven years. Same time I mentioned this uh, gentleman named Paul. David is on the whatnot streams with me. David does fulfillment. He sets up the table. He runs the table, uh, answers your questions, gets your books witnessed, gets your slabs handed in. David Hong is uh, like uh, my partner in crime, and I am so thankful that he has been alongside me, he and his wife, and I just want to thank them for all of the time and effort that they have poured into all of my endeavors when it comes to personal appearances both live, in person, at stores and conventions, and digital through whatnot. So, wow, glad I stopped myself and tagged a few more minutes on this show so that you could hear that because it's sincere. Dave is wonderful. Dave is just a truly amazing guy. And he has uh, been another wind beneath my wings through all this. And uh, these these last years, we've gone to Florida. We've gone to Arizona. We've gone to Texas. We've gone to Abu Dhabi. We've gone to Riyadh in in, in Saudi, Saudi Arabia. We have gone uh, to London. We have gone to Paris. We have, I mean, we have gotten around Chicago, New York, uh, you know, uh, North Carolina. Just what a pleasure. What a great roll dog. All the different restaurants. When I think of Dave and all the stuff that we've done on the on the road, I think of the taco joints, the burger joints, the pizza joints, the Italian. Um, we're not terribly experimental, um, but... Uh, it's it's just it's those you 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 form that road warrior mentality and I just want to extend that and give all my gratitude and thanks to Dave and and again I always say and and his wife Marlene who who without you know all of our spouses kind of making things easier for us or 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 coming on board some of these things don't get done so Dave and Marlene thank you uh, sincerely all the people who color my work. Romulo Fajardo Jr. showed me a completely different approach to my work and blew me away again seven years ago. And uh, he colored every page of Deadpool. Bad Blood, he covered, he colored every page of Major X, not only my efforts, but Wills Portacio's, Brent Peoples, everybody who came together and made that happen. He's done a million covers over me, and he really showed me how my work should be handled and should be covered. He's a sweet guy. Um, thank you for all your amazing work that you have put forth helping me that followed uh with 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 j david ramos uh that that is followed with so many incredible talents that are uh you know that have that have that have created this you know amazing complimentary creative vision alongside me and them i'm alongside them they're alongside me and we're making great art and great stuff and you know why I know? Because you tell me how much you dig it. And I take your word above all else. So to all of my color collaborators and many whom I am just brain farting on, uh, you know, a lot of you guys say, how much do you prepare the, 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 the podcast? Maybe you're finding out right now how much I prepare the podcast. Maybe, maybe it's not at all. Maybe I just turn the mic on and I ramble. Uh, it, it, sometimes I'll grab a magazine. I'll go, I remember that. And I'll make my way to the chair and we're off to the races. So forgive me. But uh, Romulo Fajardo, uh, J. David Ramos, some of these guys have handles. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say they're handles, but so many amazing talents um, 
have uh, made my work uh, more appealing, you know, uh, zhuzhed it up, given it that 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 fresh coat of paint. And I, I am so ridiculously sincere. So again, there's going to be names I regret not saying. And uh, but I am so appreciative of all the different people that I've come across. If I didn't say Danny Mickey in the Extreme Studios, let me say Danny Mickey right now. I think I did. Uh, just what a great experience. Extreme always makes me laugh. I wish we could have made Camelot last longer. But uh, I warned everybody, it's Camelot, it's going to fade. And it did, because I knew it was going to. Nothing lasts forever. But this career that I've had, this podcasting, the family, the friends, the contacts, uh, just want to say thank you to everybody. Thank you uh, to, to, again, many years working with Marvel Comics hand-in-hand, making fun stories, uh, knocking down the door, letting me do 30 covers for Deadpool's 30th anniversary. Again, without Marvel Comics and without Bob Harris, who opens the door, there is no cable, there is no Deadpool, there is no De- Domino. And when I, when I say there is no, there is no. Uh, if I am not creating them, gestating them, introducing them, selling them to Marvel, uh, those doors don't open. And so I'm deeply gra- grateful to, to Bob Harris and uh, the Marvel you know, entity for always being a great platform to emanate a, a signal from. And with that, I think, I think... But I know I haven't. I've covered so many uh, of, of, of the things that I am truly thankful for. Always, first foremost, uh, is, is my wonderful family and my faith. I was raised in a great faith. Uh, I have an amazing wife and, and kids and my sister. And again, if this year, if Thanksgiving is difficult for you, you're going to get through it. You know, I know for myself, like I said, Thanksgiving is going to be a challenge. My mom lived to see my kids. My dad passed away in 1999. And uh, my mom poured everything she had into my kids. And she became such an amazing grandma, such an amazing influence. They genuinely, genuinely loved her. And, uh, you know, so it'll be all of our first Thanksgiving without her. And you're going to have loved ones that aren't there. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. Last Thanksgiving, I was in the hospital with my mom. She had a choking incident. And it had kind of... Com- become complicated and i said to my sister because she had been with her all night we knew it when we woke up i said sherry i'm coming over i missed out on thanksgiving my family went up to la i left i went to the hospital i spent 11 to 4 p.m with my mom as she was uh we we had a good time we smiled we laughed we shared stories it looked like she was gonna have a full recovery which she did the day after thanksgiving but it's like I, I appreciate that time so much that I was able to go into the uh, the hospital and sit alongside of her, just like I did my dad in his last days, and just hang out and laugh and giggle. Because at that point, it was like, my mom's in the hospital. My sister has been up with her all night and, and, and didn't let us know until the very early morning. So now I'm going to go and I'm going to do a solid for my sister. And I'm going to love on my mom. And here we are a year later. And she's definitely not going to be in a hospital because she doesn't live on this earthly plane in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, if you're going through, uh, a hard time this year, everyone, money's tight and, uh, situations are tight and maybe you've had loss and difficulty and, and sickness. I'm going to, I'm going to root for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to, I'm going to cheer you on. And, uh, cause you guys have done the same for me, but you're going to get through it. It's a trial. It's a trial. And on the other side of the trial, you will be stronger for it. And in the end, you will truly, truly, I have no doubt, be thankful. 
So, hey, it's, it's Rob again. The original plan for this episode was to just share with you the uh, gratitude and the Thanksgiving portion. And then I woke up the, this morning and read the news that a, uh, I, I did not want to believe. And I, I, I waited as long as I could possibly wait for confirmation of this terrible, tragic, very sad news that a friend of mine that many of you know, his name is uh, Jason David Frank. You got to know him uh, as the Green Ranger, Tommy, and he later went on to be the White Ranger, and he was most certainly, absolutely the most popular member of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. The, the Power Rangers exploded onto the scene in late 1993 and radically changed the kids' programming scene. Everything was animated cartoons. The X-Men was number one. Fox was on top. Fox got a hold of this uh, new kind of blended concept, which, which, which found them taking footage from a, an existing Japanese series and then blending it with an American side to the story using American actors to kind of build out and tell a more uh, relevant story stateside and recast the roles with American American talent. And the breakout uh, of all of them was Jason David Frank. He was a karate champion, martial arts uh, expert. I actually met him during this time. We shared a manager. And uh, I'm going to go into that uh, uh, in just a second. But Jason David Frank, at 49 years old, was uh, discovered dead, uh, and uh, my heart just broke. I really enjoyed knowing Jason over the many years, and what I really enjoyed the most was how he affected so many of the people that he came in contact with. And uh, again, I met him uh, right as the Power Rangers phenomenon was blowing up because we shared a manager right early on in in my career right as image comics launched i uh, met with a really great guy who delivered on every promise could not have been the best the, a, a better manager for me and he had a small you know uh stable of talents that he was representing and jason david frank quickly you know, jumped into his focus and he handled Jason for, for many, many years. I, I'm, I'm telling my kids about the impact of uh, Jason because they all are home for the holidays now. And I'm, I'm, I'm recording this on a Sunday. I recorded the, the Thanksgiving and the gratitude on, on Saturday, again, before my house got packed and with the idea that I wouldn't be returning to the mic over the holidays. Because so many of us are going to be so ridiculously busy, and I just figured that we'd get this show out for for Tuesday. And uh, so my kids are home, and uh, they they didn't understand why. Well, they 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 understood very quickly why their dad was so upset this morning. And I just uh, I shared with my wife, and I'm like, this is this is a, a friend, a peer, uh, and 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 much. I mean, he's 49 years old, so six years. My senior, but the one thing I love about Jason is he taught me so much. He had a very he was he was old beyond his years, very mature. 
Again, a very uh, accomplished martial artist, uh, mixed martial arts fighter, com- competitor, and uh, literally just all aglow over his everlasting, you know, impact as as Tommy from the Power Rangers. Because when it, when the Power Rangers hit, they went to number one and they stayed there for years. X Men had been the number one cartoon on Saturday mornings and. Uh, Power Rangers hit and it blew those numbers out just completely, you know, out of the water. And Fox had a monster hit on its hands. And Power Rangers went on to, you know, change hands over the years. The cast started changing over. It, it kind of was like Saved by the Bell and and, and there it, many various uh, you know, lineups and uh they just they they I mean by the time my kids were born they were still doing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I mean, it was 10 years, 11 years, 15 years. Uh, Jason and the crew, the original cast, they were so popular, they got a motion picture, a, a, a big time, big, big budget uh, film release. And my manager happened to represent the director of the original Power Rangers film. His name is Brian Spicer. And so, so again, you know, I knew the director, I knew Jason, I, we, we shared a manager, so I, I got to know him very, very well in those early, that, that early 90s stage, and I was really, it, it was exciting to watch, you know, again, a, a Saturday morning TV show suddenly get this multi-million, I, I want to say it was $40 million in the 90s, which is a big, a really big budget for a movie based on a popular kids show, but the, uh, I mean, we went to we went to went to the premiere of the movie and and saw. I mean, uh, I was I was sitting uh, by one chair in the wrong seat. This is a the Saturday premiere. It's a midday premiere for the Power Rangers, and I brought a couple of the guys from Extreme Studios, and I had overshot my seat by one, and and no less than Steven Spielberg's wife, Kate Capshaw, and their kids, very politely, you know. Uh, motioned that that the, the entirety of these seats were theirs and so i was oh, oh i'm sorry you know i missed i moved over um but yeah steven spielberg's kids were uh in the you know seventh row sitting next to where i was sitting and uh with kate capshaw steven spielberg's wife uh for for this giant power rangers event and afterwards like some of the biggest action stars of the day jean uh jean-claude van damme was was there uh and he was chatting it up with Jason again cuz they shared this this martial arts but it was over the last decade that I got to know Jason even better and anyone who watched Power Rangers will tell you Jason was the he was the Wolverine of the group he was the breakout star of the pack he had the intrigue the mystery um the charisma the you know clearly some of the best action uh sequences and look the whole cast was really fun and and amy joe all all of the different cast members were incredibly popular but jason was really the most favorite among all of them and so over the years i would see him in the last decade on the convention circuit and let me tell you something there is nobody who was better to his fans uh than jason david frank and by nobody i mean name your favorite comic book artist your favorite writer your favorite actor uh, from television or film, I have done so many of these shows, and this was a time when suddenly conventions were, you know, getting a lot more, uh, what what I would say, relevant 
celebrities on the circuit. This is when, you know, uh, the Walking Dead cast was starting to do shows regularly. This is, this is, uh, you know, so you, you, you'd go to a show and you'd set up, but, but, you know, you were now dealing with stars who were on shows that were getting 20 million eyeballs every weekend. And, uh, so, so it, it was becoming increasingly more positive, uh, more, more, um, more competitive. And, and, and then of course, like, I think the apex of this was like right before the pandemic, 2018, 2019, when you were getting like the, you know, Gal Gadot's and the Henry Cavill's and even Ben Affleck came out and did a, uh, convention appearance in Texas. And then you had the, uh, many of the Marvel, big Marvel names like Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, that they were coming out and doing shows. Well, Jason would do many of these same shows and Jason would get crowds on par with the biggest of these, these names. And he adored each and every person that, uh, waited for him, uh, got a signature, got a photo, uh, got their Funko pop signed. And it was in Florida in about 2014 where we were all kind of gathered for a show. And it was, uh, you know, literally the first weekend of October, it was really warm. It's obviously it's Florida. So we're all out by the pool and, and Jason and I were catching up on, on, on our lives and our families. And he was just a really great family guy. And, and I saw him interact with his kids. I saw it with my own two eyes and you know, your eyes don't lie to you. You see when love and affection and, and, uh, and, and passion is being passed between people. And again, this didn't stop. I would, I would see him. I mean, if I said 30, maybe that's, that's, that number isn't enough in regards to all of the different stops that I saw him, whether it was uh, New York, Los Angeles, Florida, Texas spots, Arizona, Las Vegas. And Jason just had a great, just amazingly affable personality. And if you met him and if you, you interacted with him, you know, and he, he had an incredible sincerity and you know following him on social media he was able to help educate people like me because what happened is and 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 where we got even closer was that uh he really designed this what i call the modern day kind of public appearance talent public appearance because he decided to go outside the convention system and i watched him I watched him build these really um, ambitious tours that would hit up the comic stores. And I saw him go to sometimes two stores in a day in New York in, in, in like, you know, three years ago, right before the pandemic. I'm like, this guy is hitting up. No, actually, what am I talking about? This is last summer, 2021. And I was watching him as he would do the Eastern Seaboard. Then he would, you know, the next week do a hardcore Midwest tour of, of, of four to five stores. And so I called him up. I said, Jason, what is your experience like at these places? He's like, Rob, I would love to tell you about the, 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 the stores and what I'm doing. And look, man, I will tell you the stores that I had the best interactions with. And I will tell you the, the stores I think you're going to get the best response from. And he would immediately text me uh, basically his like top store appearances and the top stores and the management that he preferred. And I'm going to tell you right now, and Jason knew this. I cribbed his playbook. I said, Jason, I'm going to, you know, follow you on this. If you don't mind, I'm going to follow up with all these stores that you're recommending and see if I could 
start doing the same thing because I really enjoyed having a component outside of the conventions because conventions are getting more and more expensive. As you know, you have to pay to park. You have to then pay a pretty hefty price to get in the door. And then you have to go pay everyone's prices on top of the prices of the comic books that you want to get you know, buy and get signed in the first place. Maybe that maybe that convention has an exclusive. So it's you have to buy to get to park a pretty pretty hefty fee. Then you buy at the you know to get into the show and then you're gonna buy to get the product that maybe you want signatures and then that all costs money. So by going to the comic stores, you're accomplishing two things. You're bringing attention to the mom and pop store, which come on, they're all mom and pop they're they're pretty much all mom and pop stores. And you are driving business to that mom and pop store where the parking is free and there is no charge to get into the store. And Jason, like myself, we handle all our costs. If you saw me or you saw Jason, and again, this is a model that Jason established and I picked up on it. If you saw Jason in North Carolina or in Arizona or at a, at, at a store in, in, the, uh, in, in, in New Jersey or in Manhattan, uh, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, he paid for his own expenses and, and, and we didn't put the burden, you know, again, I followed this model. You're not, ta- you're not putting the burden on the store. You're taking the burden. You're just asking the store to let you come in and set up and, uh, you know, give back in, 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 in the way of maybe a free, uh, signature on, 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 a, on an item that, that is relevant, that is out then. And you just spend that time interacting with the fans and getting it out of the convention system. And Jason would be like, hey, Rob, I see you're appearing at this one store. Hey, let me, let me um, tweet out some, uh, some support for you. Hey, I'm going to put it on my story. I'm going to put it on Instagram that, that people should go see you. I'm like, Jason, you don't need to do that. He goes, he's like, I'm happy to, man. I'm happy to, man. This is great. One of the things Jason was working on the last several years that he was super passionate about and had assembled a really, really great team was uh and, and 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 we were all excited about it it was it was called the legend of the white dragon and he had raised money and financing to make his own film which was something that he would own and control himself obviously he was known as this amazing popular power ranger character uh as tommy white ranger green ranger but he wanted to forge his own path and uh, invested a ton of his time, his energy, his money into creating this white dragon property. And over the last many years, he filmed it. He was so, oh, he would just tell me, Rob, wait till you see the stunts, the fights, the action, the choreography, you know, we're putting it all on the screen. And he uh, just got a great array of, of production, uh, talent, and, and special effects people and stunt people. And he had a really great time casting it. And this was his passion. And he had asked me to do a cover as he had, I think, contacted a lot of people that he, you know, wanted to be a part of the project. And I was all on board to do this White Dragon cover because he was going to have a corresponding comic print posters. And it was like, I, I just was so excited to support Jason. The saddest thing about this is Jason uh, texted me on Wednesday of this past week and said, hey, man, I love you. And I said, I love you back. And I did not know at the time that what it appears like, it appears now that he was saying goodbye because today I have discovered that I was one of at least three people that I know who received uh, in the same 24-hour period that exact same reach out for him. 
And you know, it it's uh you know, you, you get told that you're loved by a friend and you 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 reciprocate back and now I wish I'd have picked up the phone and I wish I'd have called them and I'm sure I'm one of dozens and dozens of people who wish they had done the same. Uh he just was a tremendous human being, a tremendous spirit. Again, if you interacted with him and you saw his charisma, you know, in the last couple of years, he had really, uh, you know, leveled up his appearances. He was uh, appearing in suits, ties, really great designer, you know, clothes to do his personal appearances. And, and I said, man, look at this. This looks great. He goes, yeah, man, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to up my game. I'm trying to really, you know, uh, get out there and, and, and be more in, in, than in just a jacket and a shirt or a t-shirt. And I'm, I'm really trying to, you know, just elevate, you know, how I present myself. And I was like, wow, this is going to end with me having to buy a suit. But uh, Jason just continued. He wasn't satisfied. He continued to uh, elevate the way that he presented himself. But that energy, whether it was in a suit or a t-shirt, was never, ever equaled. He, like I said, I have seen him with his fans. And he was magnificent. Uh, the interactions, you could see the wow and the, um, the this, this, just the awe that, that, that he inspired in people when he interacted with them because he was extremely sincere. You saw it. He'd lock eyes with you. He'd look directly at you. He'd stand. He'd interact. He'd shake your hand. He'd take your picture. Um, and so, again, he led the way for me and inspired me more than anybody in the last decade in the way that I would model my own personal appearances and uh, he was just always really trying to, like he said, level up, elevate uh, his presentation. And I think all of you who participated it, you saw it. And and again, I mean, up until, I mean, even just this last summer, I would look and go, hey, how were these different sp- st- stops for you in Texas? And he'd be like, these are great. You're going to do great. I did great. You're going to do great. I'll, I'll Again, I, I'm going to be happy to support you, Rob. Just a complete just a completely amazing, friendly, loving, uh, passionate spirit, the kind of guy you want in your corner. And uh, I'm just so sorry that maybe the rest of us weren't as much in his corner as we could have been because he really was just ridiculously generous. And uh, I just want to share, again, the great vibes and stories and the, uh, the energy, again, watching him grow up. And uh, again, being six years younger than me, he was a guy who I picked his brain and I looked to him for a lot of wisdom because I just was so impressed with how he conducted uh, himself and, and, the, and, and his business in regards to how he uh, traveled, you know, the United States, the globe, meeting his, his fans and, and uh, setting up that experience and all the while while he's crafting this brand new cinematic uh, vision of this new character the white dragon so he's with heavy heart and just completely re- regret and especially as we are entering the holiday season my heart goes out to all of his family and uh just just all all my prayers all my you know well wishes my compassion my condolences uh for the son that was lost the dad that was lost uh the loved one that was lost. I just uh, really, you know, the holidays can really get heavy and this kind of stuff uh, can really weigh on, on someone if they are struggling. And you know what? I, I 
I could just tell that Jason was always rising above it and always pushing himself. And I, uh, I just want to, I wish again, it was more than when, 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 when someone reaches out and says, Hey man, I love you. And then, you know, I love you back. It, 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 that there's a time and a place where you look back and you go, I should have called, I should have reached out more. And, and you know what? A lot of friends of mine put alongside their remembrances of Jason today that, you know, hug somebody that you love today or tell the people around you uh, that you love them. And I, and I really believe now more than ever, especially again, I'm going to say it again, going into these holidays in 2022, that we would share with each other our compassion and love for one another. This entire episode was about being thankful and being having gratitude and and leaving cynicism behind uh and 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 just being you know as genuine as i could possibly be in regarding in, in regards to the the true thankfulness that i have for each and everything that i listed uh prior to jumping back on here and 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 sharing with you some remembrances of jason he was just um just the best most positive it, it's just it's it's really the, the the thing we're all grappling with is he put out so much positivity. He was almost, I mean, he was like a, he was like an inspirational speaker. He was like a, you know, uh, one of those feel good gurus. He, you, you would really get caught up in his charisma and the way that he treated, I, I'd see him address like a, a line of hundreds of fans. And let, let me, let me, let me, again, if I haven't been clear, he got some of the most, he, he got the longest lines wherever he went, whenever he went. Because he touched so many people with his history with the Power Rangers and beyond. And I could just, you could just see how he would light people up. And he just didn't, he wasn't one of those guys that was gruff, that was looking down, that didn't look, that didn't look in the eye. Um, he, he just had full engagement with each and every fan. And it was really admirable. But uh, we are going to miss you, Jason. And I just uh, had to get on. Uh, the mic one last time and as we head into thanksgiving just uh express how terribly heartbroken i am and uh it it took me all day this is uh 11 p.m on on sunday evening i have had a day to process to cry to mourn and uh there's there's a lot that i you know i think all of us need to process because we we're just going to miss him so much and it's you just take for granted i'm going to see jason down the line I'm going to keep talking to Jason. I'm going to keep picking his brain. I'm going to keep, you know, collaborating with him. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, help him promote his new project, the white dragon. So Jason, thank you for all the ways you touched all of us. And, uh, we miss you and to your family, we express, uh, and, and, and the worldwide fan base that you, uh, just lifted up. Uh, I know in the same way that they lifted you up because you absolutely loved each and every one, each and every one of them. Just, uh, just thank you for what you gave us while you were here. Um, rest in power, rest in peace, Jason. You will be missed. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for the impact that you had on our business and this culture. And uh, everybody, just again, uh, let's be good to each other. Let's be kind, uh, be loving. Uh, Tell your friends and family how much you love them, how much you enjoy them. Uh, don't take each, don't don't take one minute of each and every day for granted. And uh, where this leaves us is, we are going to speak again after after Thanksgiving. 
Uh, I am going to take the remainder of this holiday week off, and I just hope you have the best time. As I said at the start of this episode, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. It's just a time to be with loved ones and share in experiences and catch up and, and hear stories. It's only been a couple of days since my family has reconvened together for the first time since July, and I'm hearing all sorts of great experiences and stories that I hadn't heard, and it just um, you know, fills me up, lights me up. And, and this evening, I, I told my wife, I said, my heart is full. I, I can see how uh, the happiness in my kids. But I, again, as I've said many times over this, uh, this episode, this may be a heavy Thanksgiving for you. And I, we, we, we feel for you here at Rob's Observations. I feel for you and I am pulling for you and uh, know that you are loved and appreciated and have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great time with your family and friends. I'm going to be back on the other side of Thanksgiving. So we're not going to have another show this week. And we probably just going to have a few more shows to wrap up 2022 because as the holidays approach, I'm going to be spending more time with my family as you are. So uh, take care. Happy Thanksgiving. Jason, we love you, buddy. We're going to miss you. And uh, we will talk again sooner than you think. 